Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. from California, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 9th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 11, last paragraph, I saw that my friend said, oh, I'm just messed up here, sorry. The reference number for Tuesday is December 8th is 8254. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 steps. Well, good morning to you, Julie, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. And I will now ask Katie F. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, this is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry a message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Katie. And again, we're going to be starting with page 11 on the last paragraph, going through page 12, the second paragraph. And today's readers are Lynn S., Terry H., and Penny C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the dick book means to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 11, the last paragraph, and I will ask Lynn S. to begin reading. Good morning, this is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. The first paragraph that I just read really speaks to me. 
It's so much different. This is the miracle of it. This is the spiritual experience that he's witnessing. It's not like you're seeing a friend or a binge buddy who's on a new diet and they're all lit up with the excitement of the new diet. This is different. He's much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped a new soil. And this is what happens when the work is done in the human heart and not in the mind. I am so grateful for the program. I am so grateful to have experienced this change myself personally in the last year. When I was, uh, I went through an eight-year relapse and I tried so hard to recover. But I was trying with self-will and I thought I was working the program. I truly did. I was trying so hard. When I finally gave in, and surrendered and said, I can't do it. Whatever I'm doing isn't working. That's when it started to come through the heart, when the grace of God came through for me, and my life changed. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S. Who would like to share on both these paragraphs? Monica. Ronnie. Kim Monica. G. This is Amy. And Kim G. Yeah, M. Melissa was it, was, Oh, hold on. Was there an Amy? Amy G. Yep. Amy G. And then, uh, okay, hold I on. Okay. I, um, I've got Monica, Ronnie P., Kim G., Amy G., Janice M., Leah M., okay. M- Mel- Melissa C. And Melissa C. Oh, right. We're going to start off with this. So Julie, Monica, you're going to have to kick me out. Sorry. Okay. Thanks. I will take Amy out. Okay, Monica T., would you please share? Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. from Florida. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in Bill's story. And Bill is um, working on step two, and he's really struggling with this God idea. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges, the traces, the impressions of my old prejudice my old ideas, my old fears. The word God still arouses a certain antipathy, a strong feeling, an old dislike, a hostility. When the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. And what I get from this, and I was here when I first read this with my sponsor, was, I was didn't quite like this idea, this personal God made the hair stand up on my neck. And I was a religious person. I would have told you that. And um, But, you know, I had old ideas, old prejudices. But Bill cannot deny that he's seen a living miracle in Abby. He knows deep down inside something greater than Abby has worked here with Abby. And so I guess I'd just like to say that, you know, if the hairs are still standing up on your neck here about this God idea right now, I think they're trying to tell us it's okay. He says, I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. It's okay. Don't don't overthink it. Don't try to figure it out. It's okay. Just do what we're going to suggest that you do, and it'll work out okay. And I know that today, as a result of going through this work, whenever I go through the big book and read about God here and God there, I can agree with it 100%. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. And Ronnie P. Uh, Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Ronnie P., recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. Um, I, let's see, God, there's so much in here. Um, He couldn't fathom that there was a God who was personal to him. Um, My recovery didn't begin until I realized that I did have a God that was personal to me. And you know, like with so so many things, um, I think as addicts, maybe if I speak a little bit broadly, you know, we want to play things safe. We want to control things. You know, I know that I don't want to do anything unless I know precisely what I'm getting into so that I can predict and control the outcomes. Uh, you know, I mean, as if I have the power to, but I don't. So the big denial is that I have that power. Um, so before I would do the steps, I wanted to know precisely what God was and what my higher power was. But then things would unfold that did not look like my idea of what God or my higher power was. And um, so I was actually blind to this magnificent, nuanced intelligence that was alive and active in my life 24-7. So, you know, as... As I say all the time, step 12 says having had a spiritual experience as a result of doing these steps. Um, At some point when I finally surrendered, I just surrendered to the idea that I don't know what I'm doing and that something bigger might and I don't know what it is. And I just began to do the work and the process of doing the steps. I kept having insight after revelation, after epiphany, and I finally realized oh, that's my higher power. That's my higher power. And that is with me all the time. And for anyone on the line who, you know, has come up in, you know, really established religions, and perhaps you're still in it and very devout, um, this is not replacing anything. If anything, it'll strengthen and give you more nuance and more breadth of understanding and more surprise and delight about the power that's actually there for us. You know, I feel like I live in a world of three dimensions, but maybe a fourth dimension that I can't know and see and touch uh, is this bigger sense. And um, not to get all woo-woo about it, because that's, that's really not what the program is about. But, you know, it's about us finding a way to grasp new soil. I love that. I love that. It doesn't take down the whole tree. The whole tree is still fine. You're doing great. We're just going to get you to grasp new soil so that there's a different kind of growth. And for me, it's more just a daily awareness, a daily, sorry, a daily awareness um, uh, of it. And when I mess up, I've got a 10 step to get me back to awareness. Then I get to step 11 and reconnect. And then in step 12, I get to share it with others. And that is the, that is the waltz that I love to do every day. Step 10, 11, 12. It used to be my waltz was one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Steps one, two, and three. Never got through it. Now my waltz is 10, 11, Pass. 12, 10, 11, 12. Uh, so thank you so much. Pass. Thank you, Ronnie P. And Kim G. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. He was on a different footing and grew grass new soil. You know, I always think of this visual. I'm from New Jersey and Superstorm Sandy went running through my state and Briefly, I wasn't in the area that was most affected. But what I remember so vividly 
was after that storm went through, and I live in a very old neighborhood that some of the houses are from the 1700s, so we have trees that are hundreds of years old. And I walked out that next morning, and there were trees that were pulled over. They didn't snap, but the ground was so saturated from all that rain that the actual the trees were pulled up by the roots, and you could see these hundreds old trees, and their roots were taller than me because it could not grasp down and with these incredible storms. And that's what I think of when I think of grass new soil. If I am if I am seeking recovery very shallowly, if I'm seeking recovery thinking that a meeting is going to sustain me or that human aid is going to sustain me or the step work that I did last year is going to sustain me or the spiritual work I did last week is going to sustain me, I'm going to be pulled over by the storms of life. So I have to make sure, this for me personally, that my life is grounded in these 12 steps, that my life is built around my recovery, because I know who and what I am. You know, when we talk about on page 28 that we seek the escape with the desperation of a drowning man, believe me, I do that as a recovered woman. I fully concede, I know down to the core of my being that I have a daily reprieve. I don't know about you guys personally, but I never binge on a Sunday, mor- Sunday night, got up on Monday morning and said, whew, that was enough. I don't need to binge till Thursday now. But yet I'll get up and, and, and I will say, you know what? I did spiritual work yesterday. I'm good till next Thursday. I don't need to do it every day. But I understand that my roots must grasp new soil. And I have to say, I hope this doesn't come off mean, but I get a lot of phone calls from people who've gone through these steps that are recovered and pick up. And I used to think if you picked up, it meant you were never recovered. I don't believe that because I believe it's a daily reprieve. You can recover and you can go back if you don't do this work. But I have never talked to someone who's picked up that has been actively engaged in this work, who has a 10 and 11 and 12 practice on a daily basis. The people I talk to are people that stop doing 10, 11, and 12, or some combination thereof. So their roots might have grasped new soil to recover, but what has happened is they have let go of that, and this world, the world becomes watered down, saturated, and life pulls them down. And I love the way the big book, I love the saying, the big book meets you where you are and elevates you from there. So every day I have to be reaching and grasping for new soil within this program of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Janice M., you're next. Well, thank you, Julie. And uh, my name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. I'm going to just piggyback on Kim's uh, great share of root. I'm going to take the word root. Okay, his roots, his roots. Well, you know, they drank together. They were drinking buddies, you know. He not only looked good. But he didn't come in and say, you know what, I got more money, I made more money, uh, uh, you know, I have more prestige today, I found the power that I'm so powerful. He, You know, like I thought was the ultimate aim and goal of life, was everything outside of me. Um, because to me, roots, roots signify like a stability. I was always like, you know, if, if, if things went well, if I made more money, then I felt good. If things went bad in my life, then I was low. Then I would eat or whatever, whatever substance I would have to take. But you see, Bill um, is painting a picture of a root. I don't know if we, like, you know, Kim described the tree, and if you ever planted, ooh, to pull that root out is so deep. 
You know, it's so deep, and it's very, very powerful. Now, Bill and I know that, you know, I had no power left to do anything. So the root, the root was strong. Something had to be very strong. And uh, that's what, you know, he's talking about when he talked about a G-O-D, um, uh, some power. He, he labeled it God, but he's talking about there's some power within him that's strong. And it, it isn't that governs, you know, it, it governs him. It brings us through things. And, you know, um, it's just like today, you know. Um, I'm experiencing calamities, but I still have that spiritual strength. Not for me, because I don't have it. I lack power. But that spiritual stability that, you know what, I know that my higher power, whom I understand to be God, is going to give me the strength, is going to give me the direction to get me through this. That's the spiritual malady that, you know, once that is that is in me, the spiritual malady for today, for one day only, is going to get me through because I'm going to trust in that strength. And it could, because my experience is it's always brought me through. So today is no different. So that power is going to offer me much more, much more than anything in the outside of the world, the physical, the physical world. See, physical and spiritual are different. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. And Leah M., you're next. Thanks so much. Uh, I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on a different footing. You know, very powerful language here. And, you know, despite Bill's critique of organized religion, you know, uh, we can we can hear and read, you know, all the gears moving in his brain as he thinks this through um, in his conversation with his old friend, Abby. You know, so d- despite Bill's critique of organized religion and despite his rebelliousness and despite his intellectual pride and despite his reflections on the problem of evil and 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 his difficulty uh, reconciling the idea of how could there be a loving God and yet all the apparent wrong in the world, despite all of that, Bill cannot deny or doubt the bottom line. Bill is sitting at the kitchen table drunk, and Ebby is sober. And, you know, that is where identification process is so important because Bill knew Ebby for a long, long time, and Bill knew how Ebby drank, and he knew that if Ebby was staying sober, something was going on with Ebby. Ebby is sitting there as living proof of it, even though Bill's mind wants to snap shut, wants to snap shut. But that's what Ebby has to offer to Bill today, and that's what I have to offer today to the newcomer and others who are recovered on this line. That's what we offer. We are living proof that something, some power greater than human power is working in our lives. And whether the newcomer likes it or not, or whether Bill likes it or not, uh, is beside the point. We are living proof of it. You know, the big book says that recovery is going to require a transformation of thought and attitude. And for me, I, you know, that was part of the process to dethrone my intellect. I had grown up in a very cerebral, intellectual environment, dethrone that intellect, dethrone the self-sufficiency and the self-reliance uh, that had been, you know, taught to me, 
uh, because I had been beaten to a state of reasonableness, you know, out of humility and out of pain and out of suffering and out of degradation, I had to reconsider or die. You know, this was not an intellectual decision. This was being at death's door. Because all growth is a leap in the dark without benefit of experience. Despite my crippled belief system, something had happened in people in whom the problem had been solved. And I left my conversation with my personal Ebby with something I came in without. And that was hope. That was hope. Those people were free. And I was in bondage. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. And Melissa C. Hi, this is Rocky E. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, it's so interesting because yesterday um, I listened in for the second the second half, which I rarely get to do. And, um, and the question was posed by somebody about the difference between being, you know, reorganized and your roots grasping new soil. And, um, and I just find it so interesting that, you know, that seems like so much of our conversation is really focused on that. And I just love, you know, because that's where I've been thinking as well. And so, you know, when I think about the difference, um, you know, the, the reorganized uh, for me is just the basic abstinence. You know, I'm abstinent. Or, or even when I was on a new diet, somehow I was reorganized. I was going to exercise. I was going to do something different. And, you know, that's like the initial start. But, um, you know, just like my junk drawer in my kitchen, which I've reorganized millions of times, it doesn't stay reorganized unless there's some deep, you know, changes that occur. And so, you know, the roots grafting new soil is, um, you know, my nourishment today, what sustains me is new. You know, the soil is what supports me. Um, It's not the same thing that used to give me support um, and nourishment. You know, today it's, um, it's having usefulness. It's, um, it's something entirely different than just my ego. You know, what used to sustain me, what, what my used to grasp was um, being the best or, um, you know, something very um, ego-driven. You know, and today my soil is so different. And so, um, you know, when Evie is able to walk into a place where his friend is drinking, you know, I'm thinking about when I've been able to walk into a bed where people are eating. And when I was merely just reorganized, that was a struggle. You know, but when my roots are on grass and new soil, just like him, I can come with the spirit of um, something to offer, you know, and um, and I'm just so grateful that, yeah, my roots are on new soil now, and, um, and I can't discount the fact that that meant that there was a time when my roots had no soil for a moment, because you're plucked out of what you're relying on, and there's a little bit of time when you have nothing to grab, and, um, and that's where the recovery really happens. Um, thank you, with that all tab. Thank you, Melissa C. and Rocky E. Rocky, um, press star one to unmute. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, thank you. 
Oh, I just want to apologize to the group that I couldn't get on this morning. My phone was frozen. Um, but uh, thank you for whoever filled in. Thank you. Okay, well, we'll take one or two more shares on this paragraph. Who would like to share? This is Larry. This is Bella. Can I share? Kathy Kay. Larry Kay. I have, okay, I've got Larry Kay and I have Bella. So we'll just start with those two. Go ahead, Larry. Go ahead, Larry Kay. Okay, thanks, Julie. I, I appreciate your service, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting thing that, you know, when, when someone becomes restored to sanity, you know, um, uh, for example, um, you know, I, I get the privilege of, um, like, like so many of us do, is, is to see people, you know, that were the walking dead, you know, and I remember, I mean, it's been quite a while, but I remember what that feels like, and I hope I never forget, but I'm seeing people that are becoming recovered. Their roots are grasping a new soil. I get to see that. I get a, you know, it's like, I'm, it's like I get a bird's eye view of those people, and it's, it's extraordinary. It's, it's the most exciting thing to see, and it's a great reminder for me uh, that these steps work. Um, you know, and, um, but, but I've seen people before that have, uh, they started on a food plan. They put the food down, and I've seen some people lose some weight, boy. I mean, I'm talking hundreds of pounds. You know, can you imagine losing a person, <laughs> you know, two, you know, 200 or more pounds, losing a, an average-sized male? Uh, that's quite extraordinary. But, you know, in some cases, um, maybe their roots aren't grasping a new soil. You know, they're just uh, – see, diets will do that. Uh, and if you get enough support, diets will work for a time. You know, I've seen people stop. Um, I used to be able to stop. They just can't stay stopped. And uh, you can tell the difference when uh, someone has worked these steps and they're, they're of the right mindset, and then God does the heavy lifting. You know, the higher power does the heavy lifting. And I, I couldn't explain that by science, but, uh, but, but nonetheless, it does exist. And you see something in their eyes, and, you, you know, there's that renewed sense of hope. And they're, not only have they lost weight, but, you know, their, their relationships have been restored um, you know, they, can, they have energy for other things, and they're able to live life. I mean, it's, it's such an extraordinary thing. I mean, you talk about hope. Absolutely, that's what we see uh, as a result of these steps. So um, I'm just so very, very uh, grateful for this program because it does work. It absolutely works. Uh, you just have to be willing to go through a period of uncomfortableness. And if you're willing to do that, and get honest, and you have the willingness, which is an inside job, you can have this too. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Mary Kay. And Bella G., you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Julie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. His roots grasped a new soil. Wow, such a nice and pastorally picture. Yes, like roots, you know, when you take a tree and, and he has strong roots, it's like a kind of safe and secure. The tree feels secure where he is planted. And also the tree gets his food, his nutrition through the roots. And yes, before the program, I definitely 
so good that I was I was not connected to them. You know, I was not that I wasn't connected to them. I didn't get my my nutritionist from the roots. I was trying to run away. I didn't like my roots, my family, my past. <clears throat> I you know, I always I grew up in a religious family but I didn't like my roots, my spiritual roots. You know, the the God in my head was a punishing God. I didn't like my roots. So I built my own roots and I was I believed that I was my ego power. So I didn't I never, never, never felt safe and secure because I was a people pleaser, I was you know, I I wanted to be nice to everybody, to the whole entire world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. And today I am dressed in a different soul. Yes, today I have a loving God, an accepting God. Yes, and today I know I am powerless. And I have only one power, the power to choose one day at a time, and today I choose to be connected to my roots, to my to feel safe and secure, and my, my roots today are to be connected to the power of God, to feel the, that I am safe and secure, and, and to accept that, yes, I am human, I am limited, and therefore I am powerless. And this is my power. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Kathy Kay, you're next. Julie, is it me, Vasa? No, Kathy Kay yeah, first. I'm sorry. I, I don't know if you heard me or not. Um, thank you, Julie, for your service. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. And I I want to share um, an, the experience that I have, having been recovered now for uh, over four years, um, that there are times when my footing in the new soil um, gets um, shaky. Um, I know that when I finished my steps the first time around, I felt so good that I... I thought, you know, I have arrived and I have a connection with a higher power. Um, <clears throat> and I really felt, in a way, invulnerable to relapse. Um, but what I've experienced over these past four years is that there are situations, there are uh, what is said in the big book uh, or elsewhere is called worldly clamor that can threaten my new roots, and um, what I've learned is that at that first moment that I'm aware of negativity creeping in or fear creeping in, if I engage in steps 10 and 11, um, I will reinforce my footing and I will move through whatever storm is surrounding me. I think that um, sometimes I hear from people <clears throat> who have been in relapse or are in relapse um, that um, 
you know, they assumed that if they were really recovered, um, they wouldn't uh, have these difficult moments. Um, and it's just not true. It's just not true. Uh, at least from my own experience, uh, this footing needs to be nurtured um, just like we nurture other things that grow. Um, we have to nurture our new footing with daily practice in steps 10, 11, and 12. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. And Vasa O, you will be our last share on this paragraph. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Julie, for your service. And I am grateful, recovering compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And uh, I, I can before I came to the big book, the 12 steps, my OA program, I was walking like like a dead person, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I felt really, I really felt lifeless. And um, I'm I'm in such a good soil today, but I understand when they're talking about the soil and then the connections with our higher power. I'm a gardener, so I know, you know, I need to get my soil just the way it's supposed to go, the fertilize and put my plants in and just watch them grow through the summer, you know. And, again, it needs to be nurtured, you know, and fertilized, watered for those plants to grow. And I can't wait for the fall to come until I, I start picking my fruit, my vegetables and stuff. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, if I'm not working this program hard, the way it's, the way it's laid out, you know, I, I, you know, it's not going to work. You know, I have to be diligent. I have to be persistent. And I have to continue working on the 12 steps and have this uh, connection with my higher power. I cannot let, you know, I, it's got to be done on a daily basis for me. And I didn't like the idea of talking about God when I came in the program with my sponsor. And she asked me, what kind of God did you have? I said, well, I'm terrified. I'm, I grew up with fearful punishing God. Well, she said, who would want that kind of a God in their life? She said, I, I will lend you my God. My God is loving, caring, and he loves me unconditionally, you know. And I was really torn with that idea, you know. But gradually, little by little, you know, I would pray to God, and uh, I have a, a beautiful relationship with God today that I never had before. So I'm just so grateful that I'm here with all of you, and I can share my experience, strength, and hope. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Terry H., would you please read the next two paragraphs? Thank you, Julie. Good morning, Terry H., recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own The state melted the icy Many years. I stood in this past. Let me just set my timer. And um, yeah, it's the most important the most important line in, in these two paragraphs um, is where they have it in italics. It says, "Why don't you choose your own conception of God?" And for me, this is why the program works for everyone because I get to choose, you know, whatever works for me and. The concept addresses any prejudice that I may I may be having, and um, I get to choose, you know, um, I get to choose what works for me. Um, no more argument, and 
you know, um, it, it really doesn't matter what other people believe. Um, and it, it's, as long as it works for me and it can help me continue to, you know, move through the rest of the steps, this is, this is it right here. And, um, you know, they even capitalize some of the words, you know, in the previous paragraphs. They use, you know, creative intelligence, universal mind, spirit of nature. You know, those are all things that, you know, you can look outside of the word God and, for me, by choosing my own conception, um, I begin to have this open mind um, and the willingness to look in a spiritual direction for a new way of living. And, um, you know, it, the difference between religion and the spirituality is, you know, uh, spirituality is, is uh, religion says that you have to believe um, one way, you know, and the only way, and spirituality says it really doesn't make a difference how you believe. The only question is, the only question is, are you willing to believe? And um, I'm so grateful that um, this is where it's at because I work with I work with so many, and, and this is the piece where it opens the door for everyone. And uh, that novel idea, you know, uh, meaning new, strange, um, unusual, or different. And um, this is this is where this is where it happens for everyone. So thanks for letting me share with Alcast. Thank you, Terry H. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Penny C. Reva P. Paula D. Reva P. Paula D. Penny C. Penny C. Okay, Alice, why don't we start with you? All right, thank you. This is Alice, uh, um, what am I? Compulsive Reader and Bulimic from Florida. Man, I'm glad I was able to jump on there. Um, You know, as an atheist, I personally appreciate that Bill included that phrase, why don't you choose a God of your own understanding in his story? Because without a doubt, that phrase has widened the gateway for hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of AAs yet to come at that point, especially atheists and agnostics and other people with, you know, any, all other forms of unconventional spirituality. And at this time, or, you know, later when the book was starting to be written, you know, Bill was a visionary. And he was also a salesman and a promoter, and he knew that um, a Christian-based book like the Akron AAs wanted would alienate too many alcoholics. And he was committed uh, to a non-Christian book and a more open-minded kind of choose-for-yourself spirituality. Uh, I actually wish personally he had taken his vision a few steps further into the neutral zone, but I will give him credit for where credit is due. Uh, so the entire book, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, you know, by Bill was carefully crafted to sell certain ideas that, you know, ideas that he had um, as to what alcoholics would and would not sign on to. Um, thus, you know, Ebby's quote in the book, why don't you choose a God of your own understanding? Um, you know, there's, there's that, you know, we all know that quote in his story. Um, but did Ebby actually say this? And according to AA historians, probably not. Um, and Ebby himself, you know, later was interviewed about that evening, and he had no re- recollection of having made that suggestion. And, um, you know, we can look at Bill's recollection of that evening. Um, he was not only quite drunk, but he was pretty much teetering on the very, you know, on the edge of alcoholic insanity. So, you know, but to me, it doesn't matter whether Ebby said it or not. What matters is that Bill understood the importance of having that phrase in there 
and, and it was to widen that gateway for more suffering alcoholics. And it did widen it, and it does, and hopefully it will continue to. So, you know, we, Bill was known as a really good storyteller all throughout his life. Um, you know, he had that penchant for kind of like embroidering facts and, and uh, while still, you know, while still, you know, accurately summarizing the gist of an event. We can just say he kind of used, you know, factual liberties, and today I guess we would call that poetic, you know, poetic license. And I am okay with that. You know, after all, you know, we have to remember, Bill's story is not a documentary. It's a story he wrote based on what he remembered and how he wanted it presented in the big book for others to hear. And his intent, I believe, was good, um, especially around that phrase, you know, to offer hope. So, you know, the line, why don't you choose your own concept of God, according to AA historians, almost certainly came from the mind of Bill Wilson and not the mouth of Epi. And, uh, you know, sorry if that's disappointing for <laughs> a lot of us on the line, but the important Try. thing, okay, the important thing is that it's there and it offers hope to all. It widens the gateway for anyone, regardless of what your concept of spirituality is. And I'm grateful for that. Pass. Thank you, Alice. And, and Reba P. Good morning. This is Reva P. I'm so grateful that I get to share. Um, I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I am now in Montreal. Um, this concept or this idea, this suggestion, and thank God we are never forced to do anything in program. They're only suggestions. The only thing is there's no other suggestions than the 12 steps um, that I know of that work. Um, this was the turning point for me, just like it was for Bill, um, because I had religious background, education, training, and it didn't work when it came to living life and definitely didn't work when it came to um, the food compulsion, obsession, disease. Um, and it was a totally novel idea that I would even have permission to tamper with my religious uh, concept and choose. And this was the first time um, I realized I had choices. And I then realized I had choices um, because I knew I had a disease and I um, was acquainted with the program, so I had a choice. I can binge if I want to. I can pick up today if I want to, but I choose not to. And that just totally transformed my thinking. Um, I also love the concept of, um, well, word concept, choosing my concept. And, you know, my life changes as it goes on. So I don't pick just a static concept and say this is it and we're good to go. Um, as was shared on the previous paragraphs, life's keeps changing and challenges keep coming up. So my higher power, um, I'm realizing, and the new idea is, wow, my higher power can deal with this. He can deal with that. Like he, I didn't know that at the beginning, and I didn't have to know that. So now I'm in Montreal, and I don't know how to deal with um, a mother in an emergency in a different hospital that I'm not used to in Montreal. Um, I don't know how to do any of this. Um, but I just have to ask um, and choose to believe, uh, be willing to believe that whatever it is, whether I choose to call it God or not, 
can handle it and um, and draw on that power. So I'm matching calamity with serenity and focusing on my insides instead of controlling the outsides, whether it be weight or life, which I did for a long time. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Paula D. Star one to unmute, Paula. Ah, now that makes it a lot clearer. I'm sure. Thank you, Julie, and good morning to you. And again, I'll repeat, thank you for your service uh, on this morning. You know, I'll come to this statement as it is, and uh, I want to go beyond the words because I think that's what Bill did here. That was what his aim was, and I think he aimed well here. He went beyond the words, why don't you choose your own conception of God? But it wasn't just Bill. Bill didn't write this book alone. There were many that came together with him. Want to look at the accuracy? I'm not going to look at that. But I'll tell you, Lord knows he aimed well. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? Do you see the warmth there? Why do I know the warmth? Because it says in the next statement, that statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellect, all the facts, all the rules. That's what it melted, the icy intellect, his own ego of who he was and whose shadow I had lived. <laughs> and even that word lived, ah, your interpretation, Bill's icy, the coldness of it, but look at what happened. He shivered many years. But look at the next few words. I understand about italics and I understand about wiggly lines. But this is what stands out to me. I stood in the sunlight at last. No longer did I have to be the one who thought it out. I thought too much, my friend. So here we say, and here we come, and we see way beyond the words. Here Bill was free at last. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. And Penny C. Good morning. Thank you. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. And um, my my thoughts went back when I'm hearing this these two paragraphs this morning. Of, of almost 19 years ago, I was diagnosed with the form of breast cancer, and it's called DCIS, so it's ductal carcinoma in situ. And so the word carcinoma is in there. And um, some people told me it's stage zero. Well, the surgeon who was very optimistic said to me, oh, this isn't cancer. No, no, but you had to have a lumpectomy and radiation. And so I went to the radiology oncologist, and I asked her, and she said, of course it's cancer. What's he talking about? Well, then I went back to the medical oncologist. So you have loads of doctors when you get a diagnosis like that. And I said to her, you know, one doctor tells me it is, the other doctor tells me it's not cancer. Tell me, what is it? And she looked me straight in the eye and she said in a very gentle way, Penny, what do you want to call it? What do you want to call it? And and I I never forgot that. Well, when I went back to see you five years, about five years later, 
And I told her, I, that was a great answer you gave me. It really settled me down. She said, I don't remember ever saying that. So it doesn't surprise me that if Ebby didn't recall saying that to, 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 to Bill, and it doesn't surprise me if Bill interpreted it a little different, the message is the same, just the way the message was the same to me, that it doesn't matter what you call it. It doesn't matter if you say, you know, God or what, just that you can you can just choose your own ideas. And all it comes down to is you have to have a higher power. And for me, with the doctors, it was, I just have to get the treatment. It doesn't matter what I call it, just get the treatment. And and so this, this really spoke to me this morning. And um, the whole idea that the book suggests that I find a power greater than myself, any conception that I choose is, is what allows this program, all these 12-step programs, to, to take roots in every single country in the world, not just, not, you know, even third world countries. This program, these, these steps are being studied and, and, and lived by someone in every single country in the whole world and by many, many thousands of people in most countries, if not millions. And so um, I'm going to leave it with that, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. And this is Julia. I just want to jump in for a second. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? I mean, that sentence alone has opened the door to millions and millions of people to find something outside of themselves that they could rely on and tap into to get out of this horrific disease of mind and body. For me, I had to throw out the God of my childhood, half of the God, and really foster this relationship that I have today with my creator of the sky and the earth and the water and the wind, I couldn't have done that without having the feeling of, yes, it's okay to create my God, my conception, not what a book says, not what what my grandmother said, not my grandfather. It's like my God is my God. And I wake up with my God. My God is with me all day, all night, through thick and thin, through strife and joy. And I could not imagine, well, I can't imagine the day that I don't live with my creator is the day that I'm acting out in my character defects and I am not living in the sunlight of the spirit. I am into ego and self-will. So I just love that statement. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? Whatever you want to call that. It's so powerful. And I would be dead physically and spiritually without my creator inside and outside of me. And with that, I'll pass. And we do have time for maybe a couple quick more shares. Who would like to share? Renata. Renata. Chelsea H. Okay, so we have Renata and Chelsea. Renata, go ahead. 
Thank you, Julie, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. You know, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And, you know, one of my biggest characteristics as an addict is that I want things my way. You know, I want life to go my way. I want everyone to do what I want. You know, so to have this idea of I can have a God that can be whatever I needed to be you know it takes all the the debate all the the questioning all the reasoning off the table you know for me the only reason I would have to keep on debating and questioning and arguing was if I didn't believe that I need a power greater than myself that's the only reason because otherwise you know it's very clear here your own conception Whatever you want it to be, whatever form you want it to be, whatever name, whatever power, whatever, it doesn't matter. It only has to make sense to you. But if, you know, I'm still, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not sure, how is that, you know, then it's because maybe I'm not convinced that I need a power greater than myself. Maybe I still think that I can do the job myself, that I don't need a power outside of me. And uh, I know for me that's where I had to get that, you know, get to, like to complete surrender that on my own I could not get out of the food. I could not manage my life. And so, you know, I, I grabbed to this idea that, you know, I could have a God. Uh, a higher power, whatever you want to call it, that could help me, that could restore me to sanity. And I ran with that, you know, and by working the rest of the steps, that power became more evident and really disclosed itself to me. I didn't have to know or figure anything out at step two. With that, I passed that. Thank you, Renata. And I'm sorry to say that we're out of time. So, Chelsea, please share at the second half of the meeting. Thank you, everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of the study immediately following the closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Penny C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, good morning. Thank you again, Julie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.